Welcome to another episode of the Powerless to Powerful Recovery Podcast. My name is Jason. I'm an alcoholic and addict. As always, our mission is to share experience, strength, and hope across multiple media platforms. The story of addiction and the road to recovery. We're not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous or any other 12-step based organizations or groups in any way. Here we are, Ron. Another recording. I mean, we're going with my co-host, Ronnie, a.k.a. Ronnie, no matter what's in the building. What's up, Ronnie? What's, what's happening, Jay? What's going on? What are you up? How's your week going, Jay? I mean, it's a week. I mean, it's going. I mean, if we would have won that that soccer game on Tuesday night, I'd be doing a lot better. All right. I'm still salty. You know I'm a poor sport. <laughs> I'm trying to fight everyone. Dude, I'm a poor sport. That's one thing about me. I'm competitive. But this episode here today, we have Scott Shockley Let's on the show. Go. I mean, the man, the myth, the legend lives on. I mean, we got Scotty in the building. His story is inspirational. But, you know, every single guest that we have on the show, man, they're, you know, they're either friends of ours, all-stars in the recovery community, but there's always a story behind it. And so, you guys have been knowing each other for a long time, so one, one of my favorite things to do every time someone comes on the show is just to kind of give all the listeners across the nation, around the world, just the opportunity just to kind of see, you know, how this all came to play. So. I'm going to let you do this, Ron. Sure. So why don't you tell the story about how you and Scott met? Well, first off, before I go any further, dude, Scott, thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude, it's, it's awesome to have you here. I'm glad we could finally, you know, connect and get you out to the studio. Big shout out to Sanctuary, Sanctuary Recovery Centers for letting us use their for studio sure, and, our, and our workplace and the team and everybody and Joe, just the whole crew, man. Big shout out. Thank you. Um, so, Ron, why don't you kind of just prep this little thing here and just kind of tell us how you guys met. So, so we met at at a, at a halfway house in two thousand and nine. Oh, you guys met in the med line? No, no, we weren't in the med line. But we were, met. did you have those socks on with the grip on the bottom? <laughs> no, halfway no, house. It wasn't rehab. Oh, it wasn't rehab. Yeah, it wasn't no socks. It was actually the uh, the world famous solution, the original solutions. Oh, the one in Sunnyslope? No, the one over there on uh, uh, Longview and Indian Street School. Indian School. Okay, All so. Right. So we both had gotten out of prison um, separately. We're, we're in separate yards, and uh, we ended up going to solutions around the same time. Um, I mean, they have both of you, young versions of both of you guys in there at the same damn time? Yeah, yeah, they wow. did. And, 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 and to tell you the truth, who, like, who, who was the head and who was the torpedo? Because I know that's how they were getting down <laughs> over there. Well, Scott, Scott marched to his own drummer. He was he he was pretty institutionalized. He was uh, intimidating, to say the least. He didn't take no BS from anybody. But <clears throat> we got along. You know, we had mutual, we had met mutual. You know, there was mutual people, who how we became acquaintance and friends. And I just want to say before I go into more of how we met back then, I never thought in two thousand and nine when I met this man right here that. Uh, I get all emotional, right? He's my sponsor, mm -hmm. and uh, he's somebody who has been um, since 2009. Our journeys, uh, he's been there for me. We've developed the friendship, and when I got out of prison in 2021, uh, we reconnected, and 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 he's become uh, he's become more than a sponsor to me. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into more about that, but yeah. So we met in 2009, Scott was doing his thing, you know, and we, we both got into the phone room game. And oh, shout out to all the telemarketers. I mean, this story is all about telemarketers. I mean, not all about telemarketers, <laughs> but it plays a big part in it. So I would know Scott, just really the name um, when I got in the street. Well, really because of you, you know. 
he was back then. He was just signing checks. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, he wasn't playing around. <laughs> So yeah, go ahead, finish and, off. and, and you off. that's okay. And and I remember, I I remember because you know, I've been I've been to prison and I knew what Scott was about. And I especially knew what he was about when a guy came back from the store like this, holding his eyes, Scott had punched him in the face. Oh, I remember. Yeah, I remember it was a big thing. Scott. They tried to get him thrown out, and uh, the people running the halfway house were like, "Well, it didn't happen here, so we're not going to kick him out." <laughs> were you caught up on your rent, Scott? Always. So yeah, we met, man, and 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 you know, uh, obviously I didn't stay sober, but <clears throat> Scott was one of those guys that uh, he was always around the program, and it was always around people who were involved in the program, and I remember that. And as I was going in and out, and in and out, Scott never looked at me any different. I remember one time. This is going to bring back a, a memory. Me and this girl took off from the halfway house and relapsed. And oh, girl with dirty sneakers? Yeah, boy, yeah, she had dirty feet, too, everything. Oh, she but, had Circle K feet? Yeah. Oh, damn, brother. <laughs> but we were in Tucson. We were in Tucson, and, and uh, I mean, this girl, and we were all strung out, and uh, Scott and Rick. Rick came, Romney. Rick Romney came and picked me up, and, and I'll never forget it. He picked me and this girl up, and we're in the back seat, and they're driving back to Phoenix, and um, they already had it set up for me to go back to Solutions, and they were like, they didn't care that I was going to be dirty. They were just like, just pee in the cup, and you'll be fine. Scott had it all worked out. And we pulled up to Flower, Crossroads Flower, when it was all women. Uh -huh. <laughs> and he tells the girl, get out of the car, forget you ever met Ron Alessi, and he took off and left this girl standing there, man. <laughs> a little piece of advice. Yeah. Left her at the halfway house. I mean, where else was I supposed to take her? Yeah, that was the best thing you could do. <laughs> right. And so you guys have developed this this friendship, man. That's that's you know started way back when, in, you know, two thousand and nine, and developed into something so much more than that, you know. And when we truly work the steps with our sponsor and all the many men we've all had the privilege of sponsoring, you know, we develop intimacy with each other because it's the genuine sharing of one's true self with another, and through that process, you know, you create lifelong friends. But every journey starts somewhere, you know, Scott. So let's hear a little bit about your journey. You know what it was like growing up, the family dynamic. You're from, you know, California. Big shout out, Lancaster. I mean, where is that? Hey, I never even heard of Lancaster. Lancaster is about an hour and a half north of LA. Okay. Uh, right. I guess it's kind of you know by Magic Mountain, you know, okay. off the 14 freeway. It's like okay. the last city in LA County before, and you know, before you start going up north. Um, so what, what was life like growing up? So I know you, you come know, from trauma. To, to, you know, just share that with us. Well, you know, my mom and dad met in high school. Uh, my dad was a, a wrestling star. Um, mom, you know, mom went to school. They they met at high school, and you know, the crazy thing was is uh, back in the seventies. You know, like if you murdered somebody instead of putting you in prison for life, the judges tried to give you other things. And what had happened was uh, my aunt was raped by a man, and oh. my dad killed him. And this is why my mom, when my mom was pregnant with me, so instead of giving him a prison sentence, they threw him a GED and put him in the military. Okay, all right. So yeah, <clears throat> I mean, back then, I mean, that's what it was like. Right? Yeah, yeah, like you know. So and, what branch of the military was he in? Uh, he. I know he was in the army for a little while, and then he did the reserves for a little while. But uh, I don't really remember. I, I remember spurts of my dad, and um, you know, I, I he was a heavy drinker. Yeah. 
you know, I mean, I, I'm never going to call anybody an alcoholic. That's for them to admit, sure. you know, because that's some self stuff that you got to go. But um, I mean, when you're when your father's drunk, trying to get in the house, and um, you know, the neighbors call the cops, and then he tries to fight the police and gets beat up by the cops. You know, and, and I've seen this happen a couple times with him. Yeah. And uh, stitches in the back of the head because he got cracked with a billy club, whatever. It was just what you do. You try to fight the cops, you're going to get beat up. That's, yeah. don't, you know. So seeing that as a child, <clears throat> yeah, it's it, traumatic in itself, right? I don't, you know, yeah, you want your dad there. You, you want your mom. And my mom dude, did the best she could. She had two boys and, uh, you know, she was on welfare. And uh, she was trying to you know, raise us the best way she knew how when she was young. She had me when she was 18. She had my brother a year and a half later. You know, I, and I remember this when we lived uh, in that house where I see my dad get beat up out front. My mom would have me on the front of her and my brother on the back, and she had this basket that she would push. And, and I, had, I, I was real young, like four, and she would push this basket to the grocery store through the, de the little desert right there so she can get groceries to bring back to the house because she had no one to watch the kids. You know, and, uh, and we, moved out, we moved out of that city, which was Palmdale, which was the city next door to Lancaster. And, uh, you know... Hold on, hold on, hold on. Palmdale? Palmdale. So you yeah. like that Afro Man song? I really don't like that Afro Man no, song. No. Palmdale. But, but, I mean, Come that's... Back to me. Oh, sorry. That, yeah, that's... You know, as as a young kid, my mom did the best she could. We lived in the ghetto. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? They, like, it, I guess they would consider it Section 8, but it was like a house behind a house that was off an alley. And so I grew up playing in this alley. And, uh, you know, you know the thing about it was is, uh, it, is it was good. And, and then my mom met my stepfather. And, uh, and my stepfather was a child molester. Wow. And, and uh, but I mean, she didn't know that. Nobody knew that. Right. You know, like I didn't accept him because I always knew who my dad was and my brother was younger, so he kind of accepted him. So everything I did, I would get hit from him. You're not my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everything like, you know, I, you know, black eyes at school, them questioning my mom what happened. And my mom would ask him, what did he do? He talked back to me. So, of course, he got slapped. And, you know, in the 80s, you know, child abuse wasn't the same, right? No, definitely not. <clears throat> And uh, I started getting sexually abused also at an early age. And uh, it would happen, my mom was gone. I remember the first time it happened, my mom was in jail actually for a DUI because they had gotten into a fight. And uh, her and my aunt had decided it was a good idea to go pour sugar in his gas tank of his truck while he was out fishing. And on their way back, they got a DUI. And so she's sitting in jail, he's Damn. not there, and me and my brother are sleeping in bed. Mm. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we were young, too. Right? And, and I was probably, like, six, so my brother would have been, like, five or four. Yeah, but, I mean, that's just, you know, and, and this kind of gets into, like, the things is, like, the abuse. I can't do good in school. I would just walk out of school, like, second and third grade and walk home. Like, I didn't want to be in class anymore, yeah, so I would just leave. I'm out. Yeah, like, nobody knew what was going on. You know, been to the emergency room for concussions because I got thrown through some drywall, things like that. And uh, and my mom was young and she was like, you know, she loved the man and he would have an excuse. You know, there was times where he would lock us in the house and wouldn't let us out. And I don't know if he had a drug problem back then. Um, but things were just bad between them for all the time. Like breaking stuff, getting drunk, throwing things. And I remember I was I was praying to God. I was like... I don't know, eight or nine. 
And I was like, God, just let me get cancer and die. So yeah, I don't want a child to have those thoughts. I don't, I, don't want, I don't want that anymore. I don't want this life anymore. I don't want to, you know, if I get cancer, those cancer kids, they never say nothing bad about them, right? Yeah. They don't. You know, you can do whatever you want, but you got cancer, so it's okay. And that's what I thought. Like, and God, <laughs> didn't, God didn't answer me. Oh, yeah, for reason. I mean, there's a reason for that. We could see that today. You know, when we, you know, when we look back, all of us look back over our lives, and we, we see that you know our conception, God, you know, whatever you choose to call your higher power, was had a role in, in every aspect of our story. But the only reason why we see any of that because at some point we were given the gift of pain and desperation, and we were willing to do something different and align our actions with God's will, and we ultimately get awareness and we get to see how everything played into place. But just in, you know, what you've said so far, the amount of trauma, I mean, just one of those events will create those type of thoughts, let alone, you know, you know, your dad. And I mean, just all that together, I mean, the neg, I mean, that's what it was, right? So, you know, you lived in the ghetto, trauma, not good at home, so you turned to the streets, right? Yeah, I mean, well, you know, we, it, you know, the friends, like... So where I lived at, it was predominantly white when I was young. And then um, what happened was when the, market when the housing market crashed in the 80s, uh, they started moving people from like L.A. and surrounding cities out there because there was a lot of houses out there that were built, but they couldn't sell. So they started making like government housing or helping them get uh, funding to buy houses. You know, and these people would commute every day, but they would bring their kids that were gangbanging in L.A., all that stuff. So you have this melting pot mm. of, like, all these different gangs in, in these cities, these, these little cities that are out in the desert, you know, because the Mojave Desert is where I grew up. Right. Where's yeah. 29 Palms? Uh, that's more, that's, that's the other way. Yeah, My that's, brother was stationed there, I don't know. That's <laughs> he said it was shitty, it was yeah, dirt it, all the time. I mean, that's what it was. I mean, I grew. I can't say that everything was bad because, like, I grew up dirt bike riding, you know, with friends, and you know, we, you know, we play in the street until the street lights came on, right? Yeah. You know, but you know, there's another kid that when we were, uh, I remember I was 12, and there was this black kid. His name was Kilo, and uh, he would go steal rocks from his brother because his older brother sold rocks. So and we're not talking about like gemstones. No, we? no, we're talking about crack cocaine. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. And we were kids, and we would have like bats and sticks with nails banged into them, and we would go to the crack spot Little with bats. him. Yeah, yeah we'd oh. go to the we'd go to the crack spot with him, and then uh, he would sell the crack at night, and we would jump from street to street, you know, and selling crack at night, and then we would use that money and go to like the arcade or the movies or go to Sizzler or something like that. Sizzler, dude. I love Sizzler, dude. I eat shrimp. Like, that's oh, the greatest yeah. thing in the you world. You ever go to Sizzler, Ron? Yes, I love it. Yeah. I right. love Sizzler. All you can eat <clears throat> shrimp because I love shrimp. So, so really, like, that was my first exposure to, like, the money that cocaine can bring. You know what I'm saying? So... And this is like what the late eighties we're talking. Yeah, about? yeah, we're talking about eighty eight. So like the height of it. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and, and then he, you know, and then he couldn't get any rocks from his brother, so he taught us. He taught us how to make fake rocks. You know, he so, he did. My mom and, and no, my mom would work from like uh, eight in the morning till five at night, and then she would go to school afterwards. You know, like I'm taking care of my brother. I mean, shout age. out mom. Yeah, yeah. She, I mean, yeah. she was doing what she had to do, like going to college at night, working during the day. You know, and uh, and 
you know, my friends knew that mom wasn't going to be home so we could do whatever we want. And we got the pot out and he's like, get me a white candle, get some baking soda, pull the string out, start melting it down. We hit it with the, um, with the or gel right yeah, on it, mixed it up, pour it, yeah, pour it in the bag, throw it in the freezer. Hey, we throw it. Ronnie's so mad. Hey, he'd throw it in the freezer and then he'd start chopping it up and he's like, all right, let's go out tonight. And, and we're, you know, yeah. selling, man, we make it big. And every crackhead was like, oh, yeah, I'm buying that for $10. Did they ever come back and get No, money? that's why we would jump from street to street. So we uh, didn't like, have to see them again. Like, this shit work? You feel No, it? no, we, we <laughs> tell them. We tell them, like, hey, there's cops all around here. Don't hit yeah. that right here. Like, you yeah. go somewhere else. <laughs> you know, no, no one, you know, and, and it's, that, it's that drug addict mentality before I ever used drugs is like we knew we could catch a beating for doing this but we did it anyways mm -hmm. right you know like I, I I know that if I steal from this person that's older and bigger than me he's probably going to beat me up yeah he's not going to be happy about yeah, it yeah yeah be sure and, of that and you know uh so when did you actually start using because you know if you're an alcoholic like myself you know I <laughs> Anything that I've ever tried to sell, you know, I ultimately will end up doing all of it. So when did you actually start using drugs and alcohol? See, we, uh, see, there was a, there was a little rule and it was like, the rule is we don't, we don't smoke crack, right? That was just like hands down due to my neighborhood. Like that was like the worst of the worst. Like we, you know, we knew heroin junkies, we knew everything else. And, uh, and so I didn't actually start doing that, but when I actually started I remember, you know, I used to think I was a BMX racer and me and my friends were racing and I hit this jump and ended up in ICU for five days. Uh, I skinned the whole side of my face, uh, pulled all the muscles in my neck. Yes. I, was, I was throwing up blood. I cracked my skull. I ended up in the ICU and I ended up in the ICU for a week, right? And I get out and I got, the, and, so, and it's like a week before I start high school and uh, I got this. Neck brace on. I mean, I never even looked at the yearbook picture that year because I know that it, this side was just like red, you know, like to my from my ear to my right across my nose, everything. And uh, I went to my friend's house, and uh, he was like, "You know what to make you feel better? Forty ounce of Old English." Oh, they started drinking with a forty. Oh, <laughs> uh huh. And uh, you know, and I was like, okay, whatever. You know, like this is this is my best friend I grew up with, dude. I've known him since the third grade. We did everything together. You know, we rode bikes together. We were always staying at each other's houses, and uh, and so I, you know, I drank for my first time, and I had that feeling of like I fit in. I wasn't scared anymore. You know, because I, you know, I was I a white, like I was a white kid. That? Yeah. I, I was a white kid with a big mouth living in the wrong neighborhood, no. and you? Uh, yeah, I mean, and I didn't know how to fight well, you Which know. So, so uh, I got beat up a lot. But when I was drinking OE, everything was better. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then the next weekend, he was like, "Oh, I don't have any, I don't have any money for to get beer, but we could smoke some weed. I got some weed, right?" Yes, please. Yeah, and I was like, "Okay, let's try this." And then I'm drinking and smoking weed for a short time. You know, we start ditching school right away. Like, we start with one class, get the bomb over there at the uh, liquor store. That would he would always stand by the, right there by the payphones. You know, old, old dude with his little walker, and we'd get him to go buy us alcohol and he never get it right because he always needed enough yeah, money to get something. what he wanted first and then everything that we wanted was afterwards. Yeah. You know what we call that? We call that the, the hey, me and my friends used to call that the hey dude. 
Hey dude, will you buy me some beer? Yeah. Or hey dude, somebody. <laughs> but this dude, this dude knew we were going to be there every day. Yeah, he waited for you. Yeah, because we would sit in the park and we would get drunk all day, you know, and smoke weed, and all our friends were there, and we're running from the bouncers, driving in their little golf carts, whatever, going to, you know, like we were going to raves, we were going to ditch parties, we were doing all this stuff, and. Um, Ron, you ever been to a rave? I have. You have. I have. <laughs> I was about to say, I, don't, I bet you haven't been to a rave. No, upstate New York, man, the old the old airplane hangars at the Air Force Base oh, is up yeah, there. Oh, yeah, that'd be great for a rave, huh? Oh, yeah. I mean, but I was, everyone's doing the glow sticks and the designer drugs, and I'm smoking crack in the J. John. Yeah, I was about to say, your rule is we only smoke crack. Yeah, we only <laughs> smoke crack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you know, and I, and, I, and I started doing everything. Like, I would eat acid or do whatever. I remember, though... You know, my first love, my first real love was crystal meth, mm. and but we called it crank back then. You know, is that bathtub shit? Do that stuff that tastes like burnt tires and yeah, you do a little um, bit. You're up for seventy two hours. So and I'm at I'm at my best friend's house, and he was like, "We're gonna go to this party, but we gotta wait till my grandma falls asleep, and then we're gonna push her Nova out of the driveway mm-hmm. and oh, down the first. street." No, we pushed it like. A, a quarter mile yeah. down the road because this old Nova started out there and she'd wake up in a second. So if we push it down the street, we'd go drive it to this party. And I remember I go to this party and, and there was this older dude I know from our neighborhood and uh, I knew his brother too. His brother just went down for murder. Uh, he had just lost a, a, a baby as a uh, crib death. And so this guy was all whacked out, dude, and he had been doing speed for way too long. And um, he puts these lines on the table. They were like a foot long each. And, uh, and you know, I'm talking to him because I know him from when I was younger and I hadn't seen him for a while. And uh, I was like, what's that? And he's like, that's crank. And I look at my friend and he was like, I was like, what's crank? Is it like Coke? And he's like, no, nah, you, you know, but I've done some with our it's other better. friend. It's yeah, better. I've done some with our other friend. And he was like, I'll split one of those with you. And so I do half of it. He does half of it. And it just instantly, dude, I fell in love. Like, can I get some more? Can yeah. I get some more? more? Yeah, I'm drinking. I'm doing this. I'm, dude, I'm breathing hard. I'm like asking this dude for more. I go upstairs and I see these dudes smoking speed off tinfoil. And I'm like, what is that? And they were like, chasing the dragon. You want to try? And I was like, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I was up for 48 hours over what I did from just that night. And I was like, this is amazing. Yeah. More. I like how, yeah, like my brain is gone. More. I don't think about anything, dude, that instantly, like, instantly, like, I would do, I would give my left testicle to keep feeling this way. Mm. Yeah. So that's why you're, so they might call you the uniballer? I mean, <laughs> whatever, you know, you know, and, and yeah. what comes, what comes with that is uh, stealing money from mom's purse, sure. stealing stuff from my brother, stealing stuff from the neighbor's. Um, still in the chain, whatever, you know, but, uh, I want to back up because there was something that, you know, that was majorly gave me a problem with like authority and everything. And when I was in the sixth grade before I started using, um, I told my mom's new boyfriend about what my stepdad had done. Cause I was talking to some friends and they were sharing stories about being molested as a child. And, uh, and, uh, and I told them, and they were like, you need to tell somebody. So I told my mom's boyfriend. My mom comes home. They call the cops. He's living in Florida at the time. Um, so my mom calls the cops and does the whole police report. And then, you know, he comes back like six months later to visit his sister. And uh, my mom calls the cop. He tried to call and talk to us and wanted to see us. And my mom had called the cops. So I don't know where he was at. So they pick him up. And um, when they pick him up, you know, he's in the county jail. And uh, 
and I have to testify against the person that abused me mm. at 12 years old. So this is kind of yeah, this. You, I'm glad you backed it up. This this kind of hinges on because you know they made me say what he did to me and what was done to me, and for the lifetime of trauma that I've suffered because of what he did to me and the amount of time that he got, they sentenced him to 16 months in, in prison. Damn. And you had to relive it all. And I had to relive it all for this guy to get... 16 months. 16 months. And, 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 and they slap all of us with five, and, six, eight pieces like it ain't nothing. So, you know, at this, at this point, like from 12, before I started, you know, going with the friends and doing this and doing that, and um, I gave up on, like, anybody protecting me. Mm. I gave up because, you know, like, they put me in counseling and a whole bunch of things to try to figure out what was wrong with me. And then when they found out something, what was wrong with me, they didn't try to get me any counseling or any help after that. They're like, all right, we got it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I've heard Ron's story. And, and Ron talks about it's the thing that wasn't talked about in your household. Right. Right. It was that, it was that, it was that elephant in the closet and, and it was okay <clears throat> for me to act out. And then we start to believe that narrative. Yeah, absolutely. That we don't matter, no one's going to protect me. And you go through these things as you get older, like, am I gay because of what happened yeah, to me? Yeah, confusing. Or, uh, or the way I used women, or the way, you know what I'm saying? is like, I had to prove something to myself, like, I'm not this way, or I'm not that way. Right? So it's a whole lifestyle now. It's like, you never have a girlfriend. You don't get caught up with them. You sell dope. You don't do it. You know, this and that. And, uh, and and stealing anything you can get your hands on. Like, once I started doing speed, it was it was over. Like, you know, we were robbing sheds from old people trailer parks and, yeah. you know, doing beer runs and anything to get loaded. I would do anything to get loaded. And it's also during that big graffiti time in the early 90s where we all thought we were graffiti artists. And, you know. Yeah. What, was your, what was your tag or name, bro? What was your I, handle? I don't even remember. It was <laughs> forever ago. But, uh. I just want to say something real quick, Scott. You know, because I know you on a personal level, right? And I know your story and, and, and hearing you tell it now. I think now, if anyone knows you, you're that comforter and that protector. Like, in the program, the men that you sponsor, you don't coddle any of us, that's for sure. But, 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 <laughs> if, if you see one of the guys, and I can speak from my personal experience, someone going through something or having a difficult time, you're that, you put that arm out there because you don't want anything to happen, especially if that person, if it's no fault of their own, right? And you try to shield them and protect them and teach them about themselves, because that's what you did for me. I just want to share this quick story. I, I, I have to share this. So I, I went through a health scare when I got out of prison and I was real sick. And Jay remembers and and they, they thought I may have had cancer. Mm -hmm. And I remember I called Scott. He was the second person I called. And I called him and I ran it down to him the whole story. And I'll never forget what you told me. You didn't hit me with the big book stuff. You didn't hit me with... 417, with, brother. Yeah, yeah, he didn't hit me with all that. What he hit me with was the most real stuff another man has ever told me. And he said, Ron, I don't know what's going to happen. But what I do know is I'm going to walk through it with you. Ooh. And that's who you are today, Scott. You, you, you comfort and shield and protect, and you're going to walk with people. And I, I believe that the lifetime of your experiences and your trauma 
and people not protecting you when you were a child and that narrative you believe and that's has developed you into the man that you are today. Sure, absolutely. And so when you were robbing and we're stealing and we're doing anything we could possibly do to get Beth, so what ends up coming with that is this little thing called consequences. Oh crap. So you're you know, <laughs> so you start experiencing that very young age, you know, um, in, in the juvenile system and so you know, why don't you just kind of talk about some of the consequences that came from that? Because from 15 to 18 years old, you were in the juvenile system and, you know, all sorts of different levels. So why don't you just kind of share just the progression of the consequences that followed from, you know. The, the funny thing was, is I never got busted for like stealing stuff back then. You know, what I got busted was for graffiti. We got busted. We got me and my friend got. We got busted for writing on some signs out in front of a school. Me and my friend were walking to these girls' house and we were just hitting up the hitting up the signs and uh, and the cops pull up on us and we got all these markers and stuff in our pockets and you know spray cans in our backpack and uh, and I remember you know we go to, and I was more fearful of what my mom was going to do to me because I've been on the streets for Fair a while. Mom dudes. Yeah, because I mean here's the thing is I didn't like the rules that she had set down for me so. Like, if I wasn't in the house by 10 o'clock at night, I was locked out for the night because she didn't want, you know, she didn't yeah, want me coming late. in all hours. If I wasn't, uh, I wasn't going to school, if I didn't go to school, this and that and the other thing. And, and I was just tired of the consequences. So I was just living from friend to friend, you know, because I'd rather get high and, and stay on someone's couch or sleep in the, you know, those tubes at the park. You know, you mm -hmm. find the right one to get away from the wind and, um, like the irrigation tubes, like the like no, the no, oh, like well, the ones you crawl through, you through, like the park, yeah, yeah. and uh, <laughs> and so we were going to these girls' house, and you know, we're just doing what we do. We're you know, we're just stupid kids, you know, and and we're always high, and we always got something, and uh, we get picked up by the cops, and uh, and and I gotta and I gotta go home, and I can't I I can't remember the last time I was at home or even talked to my mom like she would put missing persons reports out, dude. I kept my mom up at night, and, and there there's a you know part of my uh, step one that she, she her things that she's told me have come into play you know about the consequences or the unmanageability in my life by you know and, and I'll just share this I remember when I was in prison and I was on a four yard in two thousand and four and uh, my mom's crying on the phone and she goes uh, she goes I can sleep at night she goes uh, when you're on the streets I don't know uh, I don't know if I'm gonna get that knock on the door if you're dead right and that's and that's you know and we talk about yeah, all of our moms here. when we talk about the unmanageability in our life right um, and that's the consequences as a direct result of me getting loaded like I can admit and it's easy to say like I'm an alcoholic I'm an addict right but to admit that about these certain consequences like everybody says oh I stole money or something no I had to hear my mom cry on the phone in prison. That's my consequence I had to hear because I couldn't, I was a dirtbag who couldn't stay sober. Mm. Yeah. Real talk. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's the truth. And, uh, and you know what, and, and I got busted doing this and I, and I go to court and I get sentenced to, uh, you know, they're like, oh, do this many months in, in camp, Camp Joseph Scott. I was, uh, I was 15 years old. And there was two white boys in there, and I was always punching the other one because he was always crying. <laughs> you know, like I'm in Southern California, so we're Ooh, you, you know we're outnumbered. Yeah. You know, and, and and even though I grew up with blacks and Mexicans, like I always knew I was white, so I never got in their gangs. You know, I tried to hang around with them and act like a gangbanger, but I was not a gangbanger. 
right? But all my friends are gang members, you know. We're all holding guns. We're all, if my friends were jumping somebody, I was jumping them with them. It was just how it went. Like, you hang out with people, those are the people that you love. And even when I was doing my prison time or even when I'm in the county jail, is you build this bond with people that are around you and you'll do anything and you want to do the same things you're they're doing because I need that. I have to fit in. Accept it. Like me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like this dude told me he loved me and now go hit this dude over the head, right? Come here, little and, brother. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I, and I'm doing that because I need that acceptance because I don't feel like I got it at home or I didn't feel like I had the protection as a kid and I didn't feel like I was loved there. And, and so when I got locked up the first time, it wasn't that bad to eat, do you know. Uh, play some sports, you work in the kitchen, do whatever, and, and then I get out, and I get out, and I'm not even out that long, and, uh, you know, I'm right back in the mix. That's I'm, I'm, I'm right back getting loaded, I'm right back, you know, doing all the stuff I was doing, and uh, I had this great idea, I was, you know, seeing this girl, and her dad sold pounds of weed, yeah, I mean, and, um, yeah, absolutely, yeah, I was, I mean, yeah, and that was just before my, just before my 16th birthday, and uh, and she had like broke up with me, and she used to give me weed. I'd be like, "Hey, I got a friend coming over, and needs a dime of weed." She'd yeah. give me like an ounce, and I'd be like, "All right, break this dime <laughs> off." And, yeah. You know, and yeah. um, you. So one day, and her dad would get home anywhere from three fifteen to like three forty-five, and he and I just found out he got a bunch of pounds of weed. So um, I walk in there and drive up in my friend's car and. My other friend hands me his pistol, and I knock on the door, and she lets me in, and she's like, I got to change, and I pop her dad's door, and I pull out a five-pack of, you know, five pounds, and um, put that in my dickies that were oversized, and um, she's like, no, don't do this, and uh, and I just walked out, and I remember dropping, it's like, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon, and kids are playing outside, and this dude lived like two blocks away from me, and um, dropped it and people this seeing me drop this weed and this big old bag of weed and jump in the car and take off and you know and it, and it's off and running like I'm doing dope and I'm selling this weed to live and I'm staying at a friend's house and you know my brother he's doing kind of the same stuff but he doesn't really he like he'll smoke weed and drink but he doesn't really get high like I do and uh, that dude comes to the house when he finally gets it out of his daughter who took it yeah, and, he's not happy about that. and he was like uh I uh, told my mom, and my, uh, he told my mom, he goes, where's your son at? I'm not going to kill him, but I'm going to beat him so he never does this to anybody again. And then my brother pulls out a shotgun and tells him, get off our porch. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, like, yeah, yeah, get off my porch. And, you know, like, and you've talked about this before, Who, you know, like a good, you know, criminal. What do we do when we run out of, what are we going to do? And I call mom and mom had had enough and mom, uh, gives me this number for this uh, runaway shelter in LA called Angel's Flight. And uh, <coughs> and so I call this place because I, you know, I, I'm, I'm out of options and I'm out of money and I'm out of dope and, and you know, and, uh, and, and so I go to this, I go to this homeless shelter in LA. It's like right in 18th Street neighborhood, like on Alvarado, like they're gang banging right outside of the shelter and people are getting shot and stuff. And you're uh, home again. Yeah, I mean it's it's the same shit, but it's I like, like a little higher scale. Yeah, maybe not it, that it, it's, it's a little higher scale, but not much. And uh, and I was there, and I they told me you know because I was on probation violation already, and because uh, I reported to my PO once, she told me she was going to lock me up, and I said I got to go. Like uh, you know, yeah. like I left and never went you back. Reported never, once, and yeah, yeah, I reported once mm -hmm. in like in less than six months, and. Uh, 
And I'm telling, you know, and so they were like, you have to call your PO and, and uh, you have to tell your PO, like, and she's like, there's a court date uh, for violation. And she goes, you're going to California Youth Authority. And, you know, and, and I'm like, I'm going to juvenile prison and it's bad for white boys in, in juvenile prison. Like they're getting raped. They're outnumbered. Like it's all the horror stories that I hear, you know, and you could be and the thing about California is you could be in the juvenile system on a juvenile crime up until you're 25 years old. Oh, damn. So, you got some older cats. So, you're, yeah, yeah, there's adults in there. Like, you know, I, I go to camp and there's a dude in there that's, you know, I, I, I'm in receiving and there's a dude that's like 20 years old doing a juvenile sentence. So, they don't send him over there. They send him to juvenile. And, uh, and so I tell the counselor, I tell the counselor, like, hey, I'm, I'm going to juvenile prison. Like, I need to leave here. And they were like, we'll help you. Like, you, we know you have a drug problem. And uh, and I didn't really want help, but I didn't want to go to a juvenile prison. Yeah. And so uh, they took me down to Venice Beach, this place called uh, Phoenix House. It's a it's a big uh, rehab. They have a few of them in New York and in L.A. In there. And in Orange County. Oh. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so I interviewed for this place, and they were like, the quickest way you could get in here is to get court ordered. And they did a little paper, and so I go in front of the judge, and my PO's recommendation is, is why, and uh, then you know they, you know look at this, and they, you know they look at the paper, and the judge goes, um, I'm gonna give you a chance to go to rehab. Wow, and so, you think you would yeah. get it, right? Like the judge gave me a chance uh, to go to rehab, and uh, you know, and, and and I still found out ways to get loaded. Sure. You know, I do. I graduated high school from there. I started going to college. I found out that I really liked to cook at that time. Um, from being in there, dude, the, the, the cook there was a chef, and he would just talk about, like, all this stuff. And I was like, this is a great thing, right? And uh, so I, I graduate high school. My PO wasn't letting me out yet. I'm turning 18. I do a summer of college in culinary school. And she was like, you need $2,000 in the bank. You need to have an apartment, a full-time job, and going to school full-time before I'll let you out of here. And I was like, that's a lot to that's do. That's order. So, uh, so um, you know, I went and signed up for the Navy. Yeah. I was like, here's how I'm going to get out. Navy SEAL? No, I just want to. Actually, that I, I was to I was told that they have a culinary school in Bermuda. The Navy does. So I, that's what I wanted to do. Like, I had this, I had a dream for once in my life. Like, I graduated high school. I didn't think I was going to make it until I was 18 years old. I'm 18 years old. I'm not dead. I'm kind of sober, but not, you know, like, yeah, not. California sober. You know, I, it's not even you. California sober. It's like, I couldn't get to it, so I wasn't loaded. Yeah. 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 You no know, access. and then, you know, I, I'd been gone for a while, and, uh, you know, all kinds of stuff had happened in the neighborhood, and, and all this stuff, so, um, you know, it's a coming home party, Scott's out, getting out, you know, mom's, oh, that's the week I'm going on vacation to Mammoth with huh. my boyfriend, so we have this big keg party. Yeah, need that. We yeah yeah we had this big keg party and I was like all right I'm just drinking I'm just gonna That's drink it. beer I'm I'm just gonna eat a little bit of acid because that just doesn't bit. come just up on a drug test and then this girl was like hey check out this weed I got from Reading and then we start smoking That's weed 
Next day, we're in Venice Beach, walking around. I mean, flavored hemp seeds. I was like, you know, it's yeah, all right. Dirty. I'm gonna light that whole cup up. No, and then, yeah. I, and then my friends were like, "Oh, just take golden seal. You'll piss clean if you take that stuff." Dude, those never work. Never. <laughs> I spent so much money on those over the years. Yeah, every yeah. time I read it, I'm like, "Damn, I must have done it wrong." <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do it right next they time. They convince me every time. No, I'll get the more expensive one. That probably works better. Oh, I did it wrong. Oh. Dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I scored pretty good on my ASVAB. I'm not a stupid guy. And the thing I found out about alcoholics and addicts is we're, you know, there's not, you know, like we're pretty smart when it comes to things. We just haven't been, you know, pushed to the level to be at that ability unless it was like our criminal thinking. You know what I'm saying? Because the, the game of cops and robbers is legit. Like we have to stay smarter than the cops so they don't learn what the next hustle is. And we bring out stuff, and we start doing stuff, and then when they start catching on to this, then we start doing something else, right? And, and, and we're trying to, yeah, we're trying to stay one step ahead of them. And, you know, the thing about, uh, I go to the Navy, and I piss dirty, and I remember calling my mom because I got to I gotta go back home, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I got to go back home, and she's like, uh, she's like, why'd you get kicked out of the Navy? And I was like, I got flat feet. Inconstitutionally, yeah, never gonna believe what happened. Yeah, inconstitutionally incapable of being honest when, even when faced with, uh, you know, like, am I gonna have a place to live or not? You know, and I, I spent five days on the Greyhound bus going from Great Lakes, Illinois, back to L.A. and uh, and I get home and and my mom, you know, they took my bed out of the room. I have a cot in there and a weight set, and they were like, "You're sleeping on this army cot right here because um, we don't know what you're gonna do." And I try to. I tried to go back to college. Um, the Department of Rehabilitation hooked me up with, like, they were going to pay for my school. Right? And all I had to do was a couple meetings a week. That's it. You just had to show up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I got to go to school, right? Yeah. And I'm doing good at school. <laughs> and, you know, like, the whole, the whole deal is, like, it's cooking school and I'm cooking and I love this. And, you know, learning how to do this different stuff. But my disease gets in the way of me progressing in anything in my life. Every time. And so much potential. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, actually, I really never heard that. I was just <laughs> trying to show people, like, I'm not a product of my environment. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, you wrong. Yeah. but I can't stop drinking and smoking weed, and I can't stop selling weed, and I'm not, but I'm not going to do speed because that's bad. And, you know, we were drunk and stole some alcohol from the, Al Al from the Albertsons. And I get into a little police chase on foot, get the shit kicked I out of me. You know, and yeah, I mean, I, you can't outrun a car, mm. you know. We'll try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were chasing me through that dirt lot because I made them run and they uh, kicked me. I'm spitting out dirt and all the while, dude, and it's like the Albertsons by my house. And my mom had decided to stop at the Taco Bell right there. And she, I see her pull into the drive-thru. So I'm Is like, that's. God. Yeah, no, I'm leaning way down yeah. in the backseat of oh, the cop car. Yeah, so we go. To, yeah, we go to LA County Jail, and it's a nightmare. I mean, and and uh, it's a nightmare because yeah, white boys are sleeping in shifts there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's uh, it's you know, you went with your own shoes on, and they say shoe store as soon as you walk in. You know, you're gonna be in a fight right away. Like it, it it's just yeah, we're yeah, outnumbered. Joke. And luckily, I knew a few people from the streets and. And, you know, I, and I was good there, and, and I'd go see my attorney, because they do, they do, like, uh, your arraignment, your uh, plea bargain, and your sentencing, it's called speed docket in California. Oh, fast track. All in one day, Amazing right? fast track. Let's go. Yeah. Hey, hey, yeah, yeah, no, and they were like, hey, my attorney's like, hey, if you sign this joint suspension, 
you'll get out today. Where do I sign? Yeah, yeah, I'm signing this. And I, I got probation, I got community service, I got all this stuff. I'm supposed to stay clean, and I can't do it. So I got to go. Yeah? Hey. Take off. Yeah, I got a friend in Arizona, and he was like, hey, come out here. There's jobs, dude. It's like the Wild Wild West out here. Oh, yeah, you'll love it. Uh, I, I got pulled over, um, going to drop dope off to my dad, because I had come across my dad, had some problems with some gang members. Um, I got jumped by uh, him and his friend. My brother broke one of their noses. Mm. Um, and then my mom was like, hey, you know who will fix this problem? And my dad hasn't been in my life my whole life. Like, I don't know him. Like, I haven't seen him probably since I was five. And um, so I called my grandpa, and I was like, hey, I need to talk to my dad. And, uh, and so my dad, you know, I, my grandpa calls me and puts me on the phone with my dad. And my dad was like, I'll be out there tomorrow. I'll be on the bus. You know, and he's... Uh, you know, he's this dude, he's a collection guy that's, you know, and this is part part of it too. Like, I would go buy dope from my friend's parents and they'd be like, oh, have you seen your dad? Like, he, you know, and he does dope with them and they, and he's just known for breaking arms and stuff. And and uh, so he comes out and uh, he comes out and we meet him and I'm selling dope at this spot. And, uh, and, and he hangs out and, I'm, you know, we're boiling roots of this weed plants we stole and... Uh, you know, to make tea. Yeah, tea. yeah and, uh, and I was like, hey, you want to smoke a joint? And he was like, no, but do you got some speed? And I was like, yeah, I'm trying to impress my dad. So I put this big yeah. line out there, dude, and he just snorts it, dude, not even a teardrop in his eye. And he was like, you got another one? And I was like, oh, this is going to cost me a lot of money. That's <laughs> getting real expensive. <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, is that here in AZ? No, this oh, is in Arizona. Place. This is before I went yeah, back. Right yeah, so. Yeah. The, yeah, what really messed up my probation was I had borrowed this tweaker's car. <laughs> I, went to, I was going to drop off some dope at his house. And to him because someone wanted to buy some and uh, and we stopped and got a bunch of beer I had my brother and he's underage and his two friends are underage and uh, we get pulled over by the cops I hit one corner I hit the next corner I'm trying to tuck the dope down in the seat they're never gonna find and, uh, it no I mean this is tweaker's car and there's all this trash on the floor I'm like this ain't mine right but I mean I'm I'm 18 years old with you know 540s of old English sitting in the, in the passenger seat right there and um, you know, I got weed in my pocket and, uh, and, and so I'm tucking this down and I look up and I'm headed for this house. I went up on the curb and on the lawn and so I hit the brakes and, uh, you know, my dad wasn't a real nice guy, but, uh, you know, he, he wouldn't do anything to me cause he wasn't around. He just wanted a relationship with me, even if he was getting loaded and drinking all the time. And, uh, and, and I remember them saying that they seen my friend in the backseat throw the weed. I mean the, the speed. And uh, we're sitting in the back of the cop car, and I was like, I was like, dude, I'm on probation. Just take this. You're right, you're you know, you're a juvenile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're a juvenile. I'm gonna go to prison, right? Yeah, They're not gonna do nothing. Give you six months of probation. On the wrist. And he was like, okay. So my dad comes walking down, right, and um, he starts talking to the cop, and the cop looks at him, and, and he goes, wasn't I out here last night because you were trying to fight four black dudes? And he was like, yeah. He goes, you better go for it. Take your son to jail. Yeah, he, yeah, he gives me this two-page ticket, driving with no license, you know, driving on the sidewalk, doing, you know, having alcohol underage, all this stuff. And he takes my friend's son to jail. His dad's calling me. I was like, I was like, dude, they, it was just in the car. You know, it was just, I can't even be honest with this guy. And I smoke weed with this dude, with his dad. And so the next day I give him some weed. So anyways, I'm on the run. My mom finds these tickets. She knows that I haven't gone to probation. I haven't done my Caltrans or uh, community service. 
And uh, she was like, you're going to go to prison. So I called my friend Bobby. You know, he called me, he wanted me to come out. And, and so my mom was like, I'll put, you on, I'll put you on a plane. And this is before 9-11, so I get an ounce of chronic, you know. And yeah, I need that. put it in my shoe and I jump on the plane to Arizona. Yeah. 